Good eagle boost for there, Andrew. Guys, that's very kind. That's very kind of you, Ron. I'm a strike player with you for a long time. I know. I know what's, what's behind all the smiles and jokes. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Ladbrokes. Passionate about sport. It's gone to the short side. Oh, it's not gone to the short side. It's gone to the trailer. And Murray. I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field, not you. Hi, Rob. Zeeb's here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. Oh, and Ringrose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ringrose. Ringrose is going here. What a score! This is the Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. It's a really good show today. I have James Downey and Pat McCarry in studio, Ronan O'Gara on the phone from Paris, and Andrew Trimble in Belfast. We have a big interview with Zebra head coach Michael Bradley coming up later too. Uh, first, Andrew Trimble. Your former Ulster teammate got married recently, Stephen Ferris. Did you get the call? No, I missed it now. I missed it. Um, uh, I didn't get the invite. Uh, I was busy that weekend anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I was washing my hair. You're straight into it, aren't you? Yeah, straight in, exactly. But you've, um, I don't feel too bad now because I, I kind of had half hope. GC might invite me thought I was tight enough with Ferris had a few good days in the green jersey but if Trimby didn't make the nod I wasn't within an arse's roar of getting the, getting the nod sure I did a I did a book with the man and I didn't get an invite either <laughs> <laughs> honestly I, I'll it'd be no surprise the money was obviously he had the money in the bank at that stage <laughs> he's done with me he's done <laughs> the um but uh yeah Ulster's year this year what you reckon yeah Andy, Andy you, can't, you can't ask a question like that Andy <laughs> <laughs> that's rule number one Ulster's year go on <laughs> come on Andy well we, we've been we've been saying this for a long time we've been saying for I don't know how many years we've been saying we have the potential to do this that the other and we've never backed it up so I think we're all everybody's fed up um, hearing us uh, talking about how good we potentially can be um, and uh, to be honest we're getting fed up talking about it as well so we're looking forward to just playing a bit of rugby to be honest It was a decent start the um, the Cheetahs looked pretty good yeah. for the first while Those boys are handy those boys will um, um, those boys will do, that, do well this year um, I've, I've never I've never come across the back line um, with so much pace in it they're incredible they threw the ball about they're granted it's September it's dry and it's too cold for them but once once the weather turns a little bit and they're playing um, yeah, they've got to play a little bit more set piece for the game a little bit more physical then it might be a little bit more tricky but geez they were incredible we we actually played very very well to beat them and I think they'll catch a few teams out alright yeah, Munster will be sticking it up the jumper this weekend, I'd say. Oh, there'd be nothing pretty yeah. to say, yeah. <laughs> um, just to, sorry to cut across. Raj, where exactly are you? Um, in... Cafe. Where exactly am I, or generally? There's some weird stuff coming over, and we're curious here. Joe, the producer, says, where is Raj? Oh, yeah, I'm, I've just done the school run, and they're uh, cleaning the streets. So I stopped for a grand café crème au bord de la route. So I'm having a little flat white, as you know, which kickstarts my day. It's day off today, so um, 
Netflix Making it easy I think I'll have to move though <laughs> That's the message <laughs> I can uh, Yeah I, I'm um, I'll move Grand. I'll move Mr. Trimble, back to you. So listen, you've, you were saying, you know, you've been waiting for a, a while, really. I mean, if you're going back, what, 10, 11 seasons to, to Ulster winning the... Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're coming up on a personal uh, achievement here. Roger Wilson had 221 Ulster caps. You're not very far away. I, I don't know exactly how far away. I think I'm maybe five, half a dozen games away from him, something like that. Um but uh, yeah I've actually been, I've been ahead of him in the past and then uh, picked up a couple of injuries and he's overtaken me again so yeah it'd be, it'd be um, definitely it's, it's a bit of a, a short term target of mine to, to kind of to get that back and then and then kick on from there um, I haven't really thought about it uh, to be honest I think I'm just uh, looking forward to I'm just, it's been such a tough pre-season for us um, I'm just looking forward to getting back playing some rugby and not getting um, tortured every week um, by strength and conditioning coaches um, so that's kind of that's all I'm concerned about getting back on the pitch and, and playing some rugby again How's um, Christian Leilofano uh, that was amazing pronunciation by the way how's Leilofano yeah. settling in? Uh, very well very well he um, uh, he settled in very well it's it's um, been very easy for him I think he's just come in like he's been here for a couple of years um, and, and he's got you know guys come in to a new environment and uh, they can either be shy or they can be cocky or they can have kind of the right amount of confidence and just come in and uh, make themselves known to everyone and get on very well and spend time with everyone and he's done exactly that and he slotted in very well um, socially and he slotted in incredibly well on the pitch but I don't think that was going to be hard he's too talented it was never going to be hard for him to, to, to do what he does best James you've probably seen a couple of players slot in in the good way and then the not good way yeah I think um as Andy said there it's about it's a fine balance you know I think for a certain position like a 10 you need them to come in with that leadership quality and to actually be able to chat to lads and get into it and you don't have time to hang around and um, slowly embed your way in for a key position they're of a certain personality as well where they have to actually step up and come in but yeah no, I've seen some guys come in and um, yeah Roger know one or two of them now that uh, he dealt with in France that come in and they're very uh, very confident individuals uh, in the wrong way as well you get both sides so hmm. uh, it's, it's just a matter of um, I think for me um, personally I think it's a culture thing as well like uh, you try and get a player coming in that's that fits into the culture and, you... spells and then I'm home bear with me for 20 seconds <laughs> I'm nearly there that. right street <laughs> cleaning and church bells <laughs> I love a GoPro on Rod shares. He's <laughs> legging it through Paris on the way home in his Crocs. <laughs> the um, uh, Andrew, I know Pat's very excited about Tommy Bow playing thirteen. Yes, yes, yes. How excited are you, Andrew? So uh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to hear you with the change my house again. <laughs> um, I'm this, Tommy Bow. He's played thirteen. Uh, is that something you think we'll see a lot of this season? Because Pat is quite excited about it. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, um, I'm not sure exactly um, what happened. I was asking Tommy about that the other day. If they kind of, I mean, is that is that a position on the move? Is that something sort of 
for the foreseeable future he's going to be considered the 13 I don't know um, but um, he's, he's talented enough he can slot in he can slot in anywhere to be honest but uh, he did unbelievably well I thought he had an incredible game on, on Friday um, some really nice touches and I think he likes being a little bit closer to the action and getting a little bit more ball in his hand um, yeah I think he's enjoying it anyway because you have um, like I was lucky enough to play with Charles Pietau, um at Wasps and obviously he can bring an extra element as well because I played once or twice with him in midfield and um, he can certainly add something I'm sure you've seen him in training and how good he is Oh yeah, he's uh, yeah he can he can play in the midfield as well. But um, uh, when once we get everybody fit, if we get um, Luke Marshall fit, well he's going to be uh, available very soon. Uh, Luke Marshall's Stuart McCluskey, Stuart Olden, um, uh, Tommy Bow, Jared, and as you say, Charles can go in there as well. So there's any number of options. Um, and at the minute, we're still waiting on. Um, uh, Jacob Stockdale will be released um, after coming back from Irish Tour in the back so we're probably sh- slightly more shy in the back three especially with Tommy playing in the centre so um, I think we're it's, it's a nice problem to have um, there's a lot of competition for places and a lot of guys putting their hands up and it's going to be it's going to make things tricky um, for selection on down the line but as you say Charles can slot in there as well um, uh, and even even if um, you know we've got a couple options at 10 as well even Christian can slot into 12 as well so yeah we've got plenty of options there the, yeah, but they're um, the kind of options you need I think with uh, yeah. the way the game is going you're going to have three probably in the physio room nearly each week of the backs if you've what 14 to 17 backs you're going to need yeah. that many players trims aren't you because uh, the way the game is going it's you know, I mean, you need 14, 7 against 7 every week to get the best out of people to have a good chance on a weekend. If you have 5 or 6 in the physio room, I think it really dilutes training and as a result you don't get anywhere near what you're looking for on a Saturday. But, um, yeah. yeah, there's some serious quality there. For me, it was brilliant to see Tommy, I think, just, uh, um, as you say, f- find, I suppose, true form, I think, like all of us yeah. people say how could Tommy Ball lose confidence it happens every player because when the machine isn't as running as well as it used to you always compare it to your best days and for Tommy he wasn't hitting that so I think I think it is a smart move because at his age um, it is really hard to probably compete with top out uh, flat, flat out speed with what the young guys can, can produce on the wings but for him, I think if he um, if his body is right, I think he could add, add add serious value at 13. But he has to have the body right because what happens is that it's his capacity to recover, which ha- which we all struggle with when we come to the latter stages of our career. So if Tommy doesn't train well on a Tuesday, I think uh, from a coaching point of view, you need your players training well on a Tuesday, even though your game is on a Saturday. But what happens a lot of us as we get older is that you really kind of only want to rock up for the Thursday session but from the professional point of view the coaches don't really like that you know they want to have a good week's training under their belt to give the team confidence to produce on a Saturday Yeah we, we definitely felt that Rog we, we talked about um, uh, making sure um, uh, making sure that our, our obviously our, our pre-season friendlies didn't go to plan um, and we wanted to make sure that our response was reflected on, on the training pitch and it was massively and we had a big reaction at the start of last week and then once you have that big reaction and you get the preparation time in 
then it follows it makes its way onto the pitch and I'm not saying it just, it just happens naturally if you train well you will play well you train well you give yourself the opportunity to bring that and we did that as well and uh, as you say I, th- I thought Tommy went really well he had a couple of nice touches early and I think that got his tail up and then as you say he got that confidence to kind of exactly. settle in and he, he, it looked like he was just he was being himself out there it looked like he was just um, just relaxing into the role and just getting involved and just enjoying playing rugby again I think that's that's the key, isn't it? That's the trick. If we can get back, enjoy playing, enjoying playing rugby. Um, geez, I don't, I don't often enjoy playing rugby because there's just so much to think about, so many concerns, so many worries about getting things wrong. But if you can enjoy it, then it, it goes a long way to to perform well. I like well, that, I think especially definitely. if it's your absolutely, especially if it's your club game, isn't it? And it's the guys you're tied yeah. with. You have to enjoy playing well. So it has to mean everything. But as you say, it's got to a stage now where there's so much expectation and even a warm-up game for Ulster. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, he's out of form. He hasn't hit the ground running. All of a sudden, I was listening to um, a, a different programme last night and they were talking about um, Andrew Conway is now f- frontline uh, 15 for the November Internationals considering what he did for Munster against Treviso at the weekend yeah. <laughs> you just, yeah. I don't think you yeah. can you can say that after the first round of a of a of a um, well I know the Pro 14 there's a new emphasis on it but I think players have certain periods in their calendar where they really want to peak as well and you can be sure it's not round one of the Pro 14 at the top of their agenda mm-hmm. well yeah. it's moved on from my day most definitely but I think even nowadays I just don't think you can be you can be really 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 good in every single possible game I think you have to try and look to hit 80% every week and then for the games that matter your minimum performance is 80 and you're hoping to get to, to 95 97 for for Europe and your test matches the, uh, yeah no 100% I think I think for me and probably a lot of guys similarly um, it, it takes a couple of, it takes a couple of games to get into your stride and kind of build up that momentum and build up that confidence and even just just getting back to those core skills you can practice all you want all summer even just touching on what Rod said about um, the amount of players that you'll have available there, there, you go through in the summer you think my goodness we could put our two back lines here it's going to be a nightmare to get back into this this back line but as you say guys pick up knocks guys go in and out of form there's rotation plenty of guys will get opportunities to perform and then you just have to take it whenever you do Andrew just um, before we let you go uh, Rory Best taking over the captaincy again this season so what what's your role? Uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm in a senior players group there's um Three, three or four of us um, there kind of supporting Rory um, obviously I was in that the role as, as joint captaincy with uh, Rob Herring last year um, so Rory feels like he can accommodate both um, next year uh, or sorry this um, this season um, with Ireland and Ulster um, and I don't know what conversation was, went on there but if Rory makes himself available to be captain um, uh, <laughs> you, you, you take him up on it um, he's a guy who's, who's obviously led incredibly well for, for Ireland for Ulster and for the Lions as well so he's a guy who everybody gets behind and uh, I'm going to be one of the ones getting behind him uh, obviously Rory doesn't play for Ulster as much as we would like because um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's, getting, he's getting to that age where as Rod says you know, you've got to make sure you're picking at the right times and uh, so there's going to be 
plenty of opportunities for guys underneath him to, to step up and, and captain on match night but Rory's going to be our club captain anyway Did you enjoy it last season being captain? I did yeah I really I enjoyed it a lot more than I, I thought I would um, at the start I felt massively out of my comfort zone I thought that I, it, it, I thought it was going to be tricky I thought it was going to be hard I had to kind of force myself into a role that, that maybe wouldn't come that naturally to me um, and <clears throat> I remember I got as much advice as I could and um, took as much on board as I could and um, obviously um, you know from my point of view I've been captained by by Rory O'Connell and by O'Driscoll and, uh, and <laughs> so I felt like I had reasonably big shoes to fill um, uh, but I just I just wanted to try and be myself and be my kind of version of of, of captain and, and not try and Obviously, I wanted to try and be as good as I could be and force myself out of my comfort zone a bit, but I wanted to be myself. And um, I felt like I got, got the hang of it after a couple of weeks. I felt a lot more comfortable in that role than, than I anticipated anyway. But yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. And I want to continue to, to develop um, in that kind of leadership role as well, even if it's in an unofficial uh, role. Andrew, were you, were, you, were you down for Ireland camp? Were you down with all the lads and a whole bunch of new faces, I suppose, that you might have caught up with? Yeah, geez, everybody, everybody in Ireland was down that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was actually just looking back to 2005 for your debut, so you've been in a few of these kind of camps and stuff, but uh, yeah, the, the the young lads keep coming and coming, don't they? Yeah, it's relentless, it's relentless. There's a lot of talent now. Um, there's a lot of young fellas coming through and um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very very hard work <laughs> to try and get in there, get in the mix. Um, I don't think it will. I think he's been if, if it's two thousand and five his debut. He's been a, a consistent element of every Irish team for the last twelve years. So I think that speaks for itself. As you heard in the last twenty minutes, he's the most humble, modest, modest player in Irish rugby and the guy is a perfectionist even you can just see there when he talks about the captaincy um, what what it meant to him for me Trimby is absolutely fantastic in uh, in a group environment team environment because he's so driven uh, I wouldn't be fooled by his exterior outlook I think uh, people sometimes make the mistake of passing him um, for something that he isn't uh, he's a dr- highly driven competitor and I think um, for, for for Irish teams uh, he's crucial he's absolutely crucial because uh, I just think um, attitude is everything and with that he's 80% of the way there and he's a serious athlete he just has to mind his body and if he does that I think uh, come November um, we know who we'll be watching in the Aviva here, here. Agreed. here. Right. We'll let Andrew mind his body by going up for a slap up breakfast, yeah? I think you can go. Good Fine. ego boost for there, Andrew. Guys, that's very kind. That's very kind of your own. <laughs> um, oh, I've played with you for a long time. I know. I know what's, what's behind all the smiles and jokes because there's a, a serious side to it, too, you know, which is. It's. It, it's. Um, very, very important that people hear that, too, because um, a lot of people listen to this podcast. Isn't that right, Andy? Yeah. Joe, do a lot of people listen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of people listen. To okay, yeah. yeah. Apparently, it's apparently it's more than twenty. That's all I know. Nothing to do with you. <laughs> Here, Andrew, we'll let you go. Thank you very much for uh, for dialing in today, and best of luck with the season ahead. Fine. Thanks for having me, fellas. Cheers, Cheers Andrew. Andrew. Cheers, lads. 
Right, Mr Downey, it'll be interesting to see the impact that John O'Gibbs has up there, but you are now stepping into coaching as well. Yeah, yeah, taking a first foray into it. Um, doing the backs in Clontarf this year, so yeah, I've been on it a couple of weeks now, so really enjoying it. It's not straight into a head roll or anything, it's uh, just nice to be back involved with the squad again and uh, enjoying myself again and trying to break away from the reality of the real world. So you're definitely not strapping up the boots, no? Never say never. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm registered to play, so we'll, uh, oh, there we'll you go. But, but I get to select uh, the, the backs. He'll be playing within three weeks. <laughs> exactly. he'll, he'll, watch, he'll watch the first two games. He'll go, these guys uh, aren't what I thought they were. And game three, he'll be out there. <laughs> uh, well, game three is tonight, so let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's hope not. Yeah, lads, has been a last minute change. Thursday night lights. Yeah, yeah. So it's Leinster League now for the last three Thursdays, actually. Um, so I guess, okay. yeah, yeah. So you don't have much time, actually. Like it's it's changed an awful lot, you know, since back in the day. But um, we just have Tuesday nights now at the moment, and then the AIL now will start in um, two, three weeks, three weeks, I think. Mm. So a nice start away to Con. So thinking about um, someone like Andrew Andy, Trimble there. Come in there Go on, yeah. Andy. Because have we discussed um, John O'Gibbs in depth? Or um, I think that is such a key point you make. Go for it. I think I think uh, I think he's more important than any player in the in the whole Ulster organisation. I think they have signed an absolute gem. I think he's so shrewd. You look at his his past training record, playing record, coaching record. I think this guy has a capacity to get the utmost of the players he coaches um, I've kind of been tracking him for a long time even when he was coaching Leinster and I was playing and then obviously he was in uh, Claremont and he was slightly frustrated in Claremont but um, uh, the job he did with the with the Leinster pack of forwards I think they were good players but I think the performance he got out of them over a four year period was um was incredible. You can say Joe was there, yeah, he was, but I think there was the the transformation in their mentality of their forward pack. I think we have to uh, pay gratitude to that. I think he's done a did a remarkable job with him. I think um, he's an unbelievably shrewd coach. I think he. Um, I was reading a few of interviews with some of his points. It's hugely interesting, and I think Ulster um, have have uh, made some sign in there I think um, watch out if you're, if you're, for the forwards if you're coaching against this guy What do you mean about the, the difference in mentality that you saw in the Leinster packs? Um, I just thought their 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 capacity to be uh, relentless their capacity not to break under pressure their detail around the rock their constant communication in terms of little little jobs in terms of um, blowing past the ball or not to blow past the ball depending on where the nine was I think their capacity to hold people off their ball the dark arts of the game without getting caught I think um, I just watched a lot of their their performances in, in detail and his fingerprints were, were, um, were all over I think um, to um you know, there was a lot of good players in that in that pack of forwards. I don't think there was a lot of great players in that pack of forwards, but they played like a great team. You could actually see, like, even, Ke- even Kev was kind of saying to us there last week um, about 
that Gibbs's task will be to turn the, uh, the Ulster forwards into the toughest forward pack in the league and mm. already you could see again we're only talking about one game but like you could see you know the 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 blueprint was there like just big lads and putting diesel and Kutse in the in the back row and stuff like that and just smashing over the game line already they have a bit of a the statement has been made to everybody like so it'll be interesting to see I have a little yeah. bit more hope now after seeing them um, for the season but after 17 games will they be able to do that and I think mm. that's the, that's the key point isn't it yeah the consistency there's always a honeymoon period with a new coaching team coming in but I think if they're after two defeats on the bounce uh, how do they react and I think um, that'll be the interesting um thing to see because over the years Ulster have been probably the one team in Europe who have been brilliant for one-off and we've seen them in Ravenhill who have incredible mm-hmm. performances but then a week later you, you're looking is this the same team I watched last week or not mm. so I think their challenge is to try find that consistency but that seems to be I think the hallmark of, of John O'Gibbs' consistent performances in, in terms of how he prepares his team every week so as you say it'll be, it'll be great to watch this season James, going back to going back to coaching, um, or on the ground coaching, what do you how are you finding the change to a non professional setup? Um, it's I have to bite my tongue an awful lot. I find um, I'm sure Roger's the same, and that's in a different language. So are you saying wrestling's a non professional setup? Yeah, not at all, <laughs> not at all. Far from it. Uh, but no, it's look, it's it's a different hat I have to put on, and yeah. Um, you have to kind of, as I find, distance yourself a little bit as well from um, from the the messing and the the crack and stuff like that. I like to take a step back now, and it's yeah, it's just a different mindset. And I guess from from my end of things, it's I've, I've been lucky enough to have been coached by some uh, some fairly decent coaches out there, and I just like to take bits from each one of what I thought worked. And what what backs coaches come to mind for you? Um, Gregor Townsend I think is uh, very astute in how he does things and um, constantly learning always wanting to develop and uh, puts himself in goes down to New Zealand like most people do but also goes to different sports and goes to America and just comes back with different ideas he's a very different outlook on things and um, although we might have clicked as a, a coach and a player or whatever the way he was up there but his ideas I thought were superb and I think it'd be interesting to see I think as, as Roger mentioned about Jono's small little things and Gregor has small little things um, I had a year then as well with Stephen Jones who's um, another astute one it seems to be these um, ex-international tens that seem to produce coaches but um, I think Jonesy has a great uh, outlook and um, just the way he he gets his points across to players I think um, for me seeing the next player communicating this back to you, uh, you, you one you have respect for them straight away and you, you're you're going to listen and you know they've been there and done it and, hmm. um, they know exactly what it's like and for me I just if I can take bits off that and like just because you're a good player doesn't necessarily mean you're going to step up and be the next coach but um, I think certain players do certainly have it. Mm. Raj, who was the best um, or who were good backs coaches that you worked with when you were a player? Oh, geez, that's a long time ago, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> it is, what? it's like, oh. Um, Let's see, Simon Mannix coaches both, yeah? He, he coached us, yeah. yeah. Didn't he, James? That was our, my final year. Was that? It was, correct? yeah. Was yeah it? That's correct, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, but the, the harmony in, in that management team wasn't where it needed to be at that year. It was, uh, when you look back now, um, that wasn't um, a thorough coaching performance um, for that season. Uh, I think, in fairness, it was a pretty, as you know, Munster was a pretty driven team. A lot of players drove the standards, and I would, I don't know what James thinks, but I felt an awful lot of the the sessions were driven by the backs in terms of when it was back sessions I think uh, Simon had a had a general overlook of how we wanted things to be done but um, essentially it was um, I think we problem solved a lot of that season mm. it's um, funny because it's looked back on isn't it Jimmy thinks it's looked at, back on with but that's how he looked on <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When you mentioned, no, no. I was just going to say, was look back on like kind of rose tinted glasses at the boys, like now that the years have passed. But you, you were there first hand, weren't you? So you kind of know a bit more. Yeah, funny. Like when you say it like that, I can yeah, even think about yeah. A lot of stuff was given to given to the players to kind of sort, um, which is fine. I find the odd time, I think, um, but not consistently. It'd be interested to kind of see like. Are you a hell of a lot more hands-on over there, or no? Because well, sorry, I the biggest challenge for me is I think, as you said, which uh, which is important, as I said, is that they respect you for what you've done as a player. But then once the coaching starts, it's a complete new career. Mm. It's I think you have to educate the players. I used to inform the players, and the big thing that sticks in my head all the time is is what. Bumper, you say never assume, never assume. So you don't assume that the guy knows. Yeah. So you know, what I mean, in terms of like little communication, or uh, you know, what I mean, if there's a scrum on the right hand side, you don't assume that the number eleven knows where to stand because he might never have been told where to stand. If there's a midfield scrum, who's deciding it's a four-two or three-three defence? Um, you know, five-man lineout, who takes who? Um. It's just, I think there's, as you begin to get into it, it's just so much um, actual teaching that has to go on. And then hopefully they retain and they put building blocks in place to get better week on week. But then you forget also that the players play a game, so their head is cluttered for that game. That's what it's all about from the coaching point of view. We are so, so focused on on getting our team prepared to perform on the Saturday you don't have the the emotional or physical outburst of, of that game on a Saturday where you release all energies or frustrations so I think it's it's such a fascinating subject for me in terms of like you have to have your what you want to achieve out of the weekend but essentially what you want to, you have to you're reliant completely on your players to perform your message and what you have informed them during the week so there's the emotional level there's the strategy level and then there's obviously the um, you know I mean winning collisions which is important in rugby so it's trying to find the tune the balance for all of that I think um, it's something that uh, I'm scratching my head at times about well, look te- teaching's a different skill than playing you know, and coaching is teaching. So, in terms of communicating with players, exactly, Andy. It's how, like a, how do you how do you learn quickly? Who, yeah, how do you learn quickly? Who responds to what? Like James, how did you learn as a player? But I, it depends. I think. Like I, I used to like to be shown like what we're doing, or if someone take me to the side and go, right, this is 
the do way you, it is. Do you mean like drawn out or uh, actually no, work? I'd be visual. I'd be visual. Um, if someone sat there and explained the drill to me, I'd look at them and go, okay, I'll watch the first couple and then, <laughs> and then I know what's going on. So, um, but, but I think you have to, I think Rods makes a good point in terms of you can't assume, you know, and picking up on that, it's like a clinic for me here, Rods is good. Um, that, no, but it is, it's like, it's, that's why it's not a game of robots, and I hope it never will be, and especially people coming in now. So you could have 17 backs, and obviously then the forward are a completely different beast altogether. So even if you're talking about a back session, but you're explaining a drill, people's uh, conception or perception of what you want, if you ask 17 of them in a survey, what does you think the coach is explaining there? I reckon you get an unbelievable vast array of different answers. Mm. So people learn in different in different um, in different ways. And I was reading the other day, fascinating. I think that you know communication is I think responsive for six percent of uh, of learnings, while um, body language is something like fifty three percent. The reaction from that which is a staggering statistic I thought so it's not what I say to James between 10 and 12 it's basically how I look to look at James and how my body language um, tells him what I want from him he's going to get I'm going to get um, a 53% more output from him which I thought was a great a really really interesting um, statistic or survey from I forget who it was written by this this study, but it was something that really hit home at me. So communication is six percent, but body language communication was fifty three percent more effective. Uh, would that be as well the time when uh, an academy scrum half would throw you a pass, and if it wasn't to your hand, you'd volley it straight back at him? That, <laughs> that, that type of body language. Volley, volley it back. <laughs> Just catch it and throw it back. <laughs> now, to be fair. Strings throw the few in his day, as you know, and we. Um, He's still throwing. You know, if I don't, if I don't, I'm, as you know, I'm not Usain Bolt. If I don't get the ball in an outward curve, <laughs> <laughs> and you're looking for a ten, twelve switch, there's no point. There's no point in me trying to play that play because I need that ball a maximum pushed on a drift if I have any chance of creating a bit of space for <laughs> for a ten, twelve cut. So. <laughs> Yeah, as you out in the farm, there was many a ball volleyed back. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the, uh, here, Rog, you're dealing with international players, right? So it's, it's a different challenge. There's guys who've seen it, done it. How how do you get buy-in? Is there ever trouble with that? And and I think yeah, and it's it's so interesting for me too. It's kind of uh, you know what I mean. There's a World Cup uh, winner in there, and then there's someone like Joe Rocker Coco who's just so humble and. When at times when you talk to him, you kind of feel like he's in his first year of rugby because he's just such a pleasant manner and so respectful. Yet you just be at times going, Joe, you're one of the best wingers in the world. <laughs> just do it, you know. Be good. But as you said, then everyone needs kind of coaching and guidance and security and support, and um, that's why I think you just have such a different uh, array of characters it's it's quite incredible coaching especially over here but it's so rewarding and so interesting James the style of play matter if you're the player backs coach can say whatever he wants but they're going to set up teams in different ways different philosophies does style of play matter when you're playing 
Yeah, I think so. To the individual, um, to how your personal philosophy on the way things are played, like for myself, um, I guess when I went to Munster, it was uh, Dumper was coach, and they were going to play a kind of a certain way, and that suited me. And then I suppose R- Rob and Simon came in and, and wanted to change that. And for me, um, that was I felt that that was going to pass me by, and that was frustrating. Then to like I was never going to go and join. Like a, I was going to say a French club, but a, like a two or someone who throws around the whole time and and a game passing me by, and I'm like, well, why am I here? Like this isn't like I have a certain way of playing, and it doesn't fit in squares into circles, you know. And um, I think you can be lucky. It's maybe it's a bit like soccer or football, whatever way you want to say it. And in terms of like a coach can be there and they have a certain t- style and you fit into that style and you fit into that philosophy um, as a coach I have a different style or a different philosophy in the way I played like and that's just the way it is um, go into that what do you mean um, I'm a hell of a lot more open and I want to I want to see it moved you know and yeah. um, obviously as Rod said it's like it's so interesting and uh, there's so much to it and you're constantly learning but I'm, I'm not saying that my style is the way it's always going to be uh, you do have to adapt given Conditions and opposition and certain things, but um, no, I do. I've a, I think that, yeah, I think that's a great point at the end because you say that, which is probably as you've learned in your time in terms of a general statement where a square into a circle. Yes, for me, your one of your most commanding performances was the quarter-final win away to Harlequins, where I think we adapted and we played cup rugby that day. Yeah, where. I think it was pressure rugby but what style is that I think it was making the right decisions at the right time to kind of move it when we wanted to kick it behind them when we wanted to and and just hammer them uh, mentally I felt and that was under Rob Penny and, and Simon but there was all rumours of the discussion about us taking over the dressing room but uh, James you, I think you'd agree with me it wasn't like that no. it was just like I think we were just so focused on a big performance that week that it style didn't really matter I think we yeah. made the right decisions at the right time in a cup game yeah. or, or would you be no 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 no. I think you said it there like it was a cup game it's cup rugby and and you, and you said here's an opportunity to level Mike Brown <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it was a good day that but like you know it's just uh, I do agree in terms of um, no there was no player sort of revolt or anything it was just as you say I think you kind of played what you saw out there and look it's a tight game away from home and you just have to play percentages as well and ultimately we can go out and throw it around and it looks great but get get pumped and um, it's about winning matches ultimately so um I think we did what we had to do that, to win it. I think that is the challenge for the younger coaches going forward too, is that how do you install into players that are coming into the game nowadays to play what they see in front of them? Because mm. there's so much uh, analysis and description and planning during the week that we're going to play this way, yes. And moving the ball is brilliant, but like when you're practising that all week, you practise it without collisions. And yeah. For me, if you don't win the collisions in rugby, you have little chance of winning the game. But you can't practise collisions Monday to Friday because if you do, you're dead on a Saturday. Mm. So um, the thing about it, um, the point I'm trying to make is that I think you have to um, you have to be able to to install in your players the capacity to read the different pictures that are painted to them and that's why great teams in the past 
present one picture and at the last minute change it so when the 10 looks up he sees 10, 12 and 13 in front of him with 11, 15 and 14 really deep then all of a sudden the next thing he looks the winger is up at the 13 and he's played something and he goes oh you know what I mean win for the open side wing and the defending team because he's changed the picture at the last moment what's easy to play against in rugby nowadays is that when the picture stays the same so I think um, that's that's the the whole um, I suppose game of cat and mouch among coaches as well which is yeah. really really um, interesting right mark that one for something for another day I'd like to go into that a bit more but we'll end that one there um, the boys will be back later answering your Twitter questions but up next we talk to the former Connacht and Edinburgh coach Michael Bradley about life in Italy with Zebra. The Hard Yards brought to you by Ladbrokes passionate about sport Welcome back to the Hard Yards. You might have missed it during the summer, but former Ireland scrum half Michael Bradley took over as head coach of Italian side Zebre. We have him on the line now. Michael, welcome to the Hard Yards. Thank you. Thank you. Now, where are you right now? I'm in Parma. Yeah, it's 28 degrees over here, yeah. and uh, we have a day off. So it's, uh, as in the players have a day off. So management are in doing a bit of prep for the match in the weekend against uh, Scarlet. So what first attracted you to life in 28 degrees in September, Parma? Hi, I, I, um, obviously I know Conor O'Shea and Steve Abood is over here as well. So um, there's a project here that needs to be done with uh, Italian rugby in general and uh, with uh, the Zebra rugby specifically. So um, uh, it was an opportunity to work with the, with the boys and obviously come to Italy and experience life over here. So both of those combined the reason I'm here you go back a good way with Connor we do yeah we do yeah we, we go back a, a long time yeah we do and with, actually funnily enough with Steve Abood even longer what's, so there what, you go. what was the link with Steve I know you, I know you captained Connor in his first cap but uh, where, where, where do you yeah. go back to with Steve the link with Stephen is is oh, with Steve is we're the same age and we would have been com- uh, competitors all the way through I suppose mostly at uh, uh, under 20 level and then the first ever Irish under 21 tour which is an internal tour uh, did uh, Leinster, Munster, Ulster and Connacht finishing in Connacht actually it finished three days ago about 30 odd years ago which is Stevie's birthday the 29th of, uh, sorry, 9th of September uh, so uh, we've been friends ever since so you've got so you've got Steve um, is the, or the technical director over there in Italian rugby now. So he's looking yes. after the everything up to under twenty, correct? Yes, he is. Yeah, he's putting in structures uh, that will benefit uh, Italian rugby in the future, which is uh, which is needed. And uh, obviously, Connors is uh, shaping it from the from the top side, uh, from international down. Then I remember um, we were speaking a couple of weeks ago at the Pro Fourteen launch. You mentioned that. You thought that Italy might be in the same place now with regard to professionalism and the separation that that causes, as Ireland would have been a good few years ago. Um, what, what did you mean by that? Well, I mean, you, when when the game went, uh, sorry, when when you had the uh, introduction of of the European Cup, the the Irish clubs felt at the time that they could be competitive because you would have had the likes of Leicester and, and Wasps and England and you'd have Toulouse and well, Toulon weren't there at the time so you, uh, Montpellier and these these clubs were, were obviously going to field uh, sites coming from their regions or their clubs and it, it, it kind of made logical sense 
at the time to the Irish clubs that they could be competitive in this. But obviously, the IRFU uh, made a wise decision and said that they, you know, they could see into the future in terms of costs and and the, the product itself and where professional rugby could go. And um, rightly, uh, kind of took the path that the, the clubs wouldn't be able to sustain that financially, which is correct. So in Italy, at the moment, um, <clears throat> they're at that point where um, they're, they're still a, the, the clubs are, are strong in relation to the decision making of the um, of the direction of Italian rugby, and um, you know perhaps they can learn from the experience Ireland has had and uh, put a shape in relation to um, the future separation of the professional game from the uh, amateur setup. So as part of that, you would see, for example, the the feeder line that Steve is overseeing and you guys getting access to that, both for Zebra and Treviso, but the, the two professional yeah. outfits having access to the cream of the Italian academy crop. Yeah, well, that's that's on the playing side of things you're talking about there. Yes. Yeah, I'm just talking about the financial side in relation to the... Uh, to the um, competitiveness of the clubs but for sure yeah Stevie, Stevie will be bringing together all the talent that is available at the underage level and feeding that through then to the um, to the to the clubs Listen, and that's the plan going uh, continuing the playing fields so you're facing Scarlet this weekend first home game against the, the champions that's nice and easy for you yeah um, well they, they're obviously uh, still brimming with confidence from, from last year I mean they did a number on Leinster and on uh, Munster at the end of last year they continue that form really through the uh, the Kings uh, last weekend uh, scored 40 odd points in the second half so uh, you know they're, they're in um, in a good place at the moment they're playing nice rugby they, they have a lot of speed in terms of movement to the ball and, and they have a lot of dangerous individuals in a good system so it'll be difficult but um, we played well uh, against the Ospreys last weekend and we had a chance to, to win the game and um, you know if we if we get to that stage uh, on Saturday where, where we're still in the game with 10 minutes to go then, then we'll, we'll take our chances in relation to the results So how important is the creation of a, a home atmosphere to you? It's it's a work in progress. It's vital for the for the long term future of of any club. Um, and you go back to the days uh, in Connacht uh, at the early days where where it was difficult. Uh, and then now, sorry, now Connacht is a very uh, difficult place. Difficult in the sense there was few numbers. Now it's a very difficult place for away sides to come because the the passionate support they have up there and the the pitch is quite the standard quite close to the to the pitch and. Uh, so it's a really difficult place to play. So if you put that sort of pressure on the on the officials and on the opposition, that is a is a good formula for um, getting a couple of fifty fifty decisions in a game. Yeah, there's been research done on that before. There's a surprising impact that uh, crowd just crowd noise can have on a referee's decision making about just those those little calls, especially in a tight game. Um, you, again, going back to the Pro 14 launch, you were speaking in a manner that it was almost like a like a financial director rather than a coach at one point because you're mentioning the match day experience and how you build that up you know centering it around friends yeah, well, and family business relationships yeah. yeah yeah well I mean that's you have to start you have to decide where you can where you can make the most progress quickly and uh, for Zebra Rugby Club we don't have the finances to bring in uh, 
top players uh, from all over the world. So the blueprint is uh, develop uh, uh, Italian internationals uh, for the future, and we have current crop at the moment, and um, make that appealing to the um, to the home support and business and finance and uh, get sponsors in uh, to back the concept of backing an Italian side to, for the betterment of uh, Italian rugby and for Parma as the franchise is based here. So that's a, that's a, a path that um, Zebra will, will travel and it's a path that uh, makes financial sense as well. How's the uh, language barrier? How's the Italian? Uh, not so good. How is that for a coach? Uh, well, uh, the language barrier with the players is, is not an issue be- because uh, the boys uh, speak very good English, uh, vast majority, and um, I'm picking up a couple of phrases in, in Italian. And obviously, my two assistant coaches are fluent in, in uh, English as well, so they can help in the translation. But the language that's used in rugby is not ex- um, expansive, you know, and gestures will get will carry you a long way as well with some uh, visual visual backup so there's there is not an issue yeah i, I know i kind of know the gestures you mean all right they're fairly they're fairly clear if you're unhappy yeah you can be happy and unhappy but you can also emphasize things with body language we won't go into the technical issues in terms of transferring messages when you are speaking but you know voice is is not the is not the uh, the overriding uh, connection with the with with the with the person who is receiving the message. So you know how you deliver and your body language, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, eye contact, etc. So all these things all these things matter when you're not in Ireland. You weren't in Ireland for a while back as well because you spent time with Georgia and you obviously had a great win over Tonga in the as you're the assistant coach. Yeah. Um, how was that experience? Because I've never been there for for rugby. I've never been there at all. But I do hear tell of just enormous, enormous crowds, particularly like if Russia are playing. Yeah, well, there's a big history between um, Georgia and Russia. Uh, You know, I mean, I suppose the obvious comparison uh, back along for ourselves would be Ireland and England in that sense. Uh, You know, but they've had recent wars, so I mean, there's a lot of lot of emotion there. So. when when Georgia play Russia, they have a soccer stadium there. Ireland played there a couple of days ago, and and got a one-all I think in the soccer. That that stadium that stadium holds about sixty sixty-five thousand, and they would fill that for the Russian game. Um, but it's 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 um, it's a really kind of an emotionally charged day. But they, they they the vast majority of those would be there because it's Georgia potentially going to beat Russia at something. Yeah. You know, if it was soccer, if it was rugby, or whatever else, um, uh, they they would be there to support Georgia. They're quite nationalistic. The Georgians they're very proud of their their nation, and uh, at the moment they're a very successful uh, rugby nation at their level. How did that? Um, how did that make you feel? Were you able to be dispassionate about that on on a big day like that, or were you able to sort of get a, a charge from what your your team your teammates, the coaching teammates, were going through? Well, your 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 job is is to be disconnected emotionally from what actually is happening, and you 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 work through the processes in terms of trying to deliver a result. But I mean, you can stand back before and after, perhaps during if things are going well, and kind of say, 
this is this is a this is a memory that you'll that you'll cherish um, because it's it's quite um, it's I mean it's, you, you, because obviously the people you are working with are all Georgian and they're, and they're uh, immensely connected to the the event and uh, it means so much to them when they win because in 15 years since the, since, the, since the war that they had with Russia um, Georgia have not lost to Russia in rugby and, and you would not like to be on the coaching side that is the first side to lose to Russia it might not be a good day for you yeah it could make life a little bit uncomfortable alright um, what's the what's the objective for this season um, I, is it performance on the pitch is it results is it the Challenge Cup for example which you've targeted in the past um, what 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 is your goal this season? Yeah, um, I, I, again, I think like we we will look to, to to build a strong base. So, so in terms of performance, like we'll we'll, we'll take elements of the game as opposed to the the results. So we'll we'll be looking at different modules within the defence system and the attack systems to see if we can convert and build on those. So that's your performance side of things. But uh, another element for us off the pitch uh, and connected to the pitch will be uh, to develop, to develop uh, those relationships we were talking about there earlier, which mm. is with the sponsors and and um, with the with the supporters. Um, and I think you know when when Treviso come and they play and they play in Zebra, I mean the, the stadiums are are virtually full. So there is there is a, a, a there's a good interest in 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 rugby in in Italy. You had uh, New Zealand. Going to Milan, uh, I think three or four years ago, and you had a full stadium, eighty odd thousand. You know, you, it's, it's a sporting event, so it's the crossover between rugby specific and sporting events to get the, the, I suppose, initially the people of Parma enthusiastic about coming out and supporting Zebra. So we can do that through through uh, getting those elements correct on the pitch and, and making it an entertaining day for them. Uh, come out, support their team, and. And, uh, and anything else that we can interact with them, we will. You've obviously got a role here in, in working with the Federation and taking advantage of and developing homegrown Italian talent. Uh, what about the balance between bringing in top drawer players? Maybe the level below what a Leinster or a Munster might be able to afford, but is that something you guys are looking at to develop that player pool? Well, primarily we'd be looking to, to, to develop the, the Italian talent even a 50-50 call that's where the, the call will go um, and there is a lot of talent in Italy um, uh, they they have um, uh, in terms of the, the volume of people playing at underage level it's, it's impressive but to be able to channel that through the, the clubs or through Stevie's um, academies to the professional side as, as quickly as possible um, because what happens is uh, in Ireland and, and England for sure that under 18, under 20s they go into programs and uh, at the other end of it there's a, a pretty impressive athlete comes out and that's a very good product for uh, the uh, provincial sides. I mean, Leinster have been exceptional at, at that process for the last six, seven, eight, maybe nine years, and uh, that's that's kind of uh, a key driver that needs to be that needs to be um, sorted in relation to the. I suppose the progress of of Italian rugby in general, and when those players come through regularly enough, then I suppose that that will be the raw material that Treviso and Zebra will will work with 
you have that other objective of being competitive. So it's a balance in terms of budgets and identifying those players. And, and if we do identify one, I'm sure the budget will be available for for us. Uh, and but on the other side again of that coin is you know you've only two professional sides in Italy and the Italian national side needs to be competitive uh, in the Six Nations and in the November uh, windows and obviously in the World Cup so you got to be careful in terms of the management of the the game time for the current internationals and budding internationals in in, uh, in Italy so it's not as simple as saying yeah look we'll take uh, Dan Carter for two years uh, because you know we might have the current or the upcoming um, international out half in Ziva. I should ask Raj for a loan he'll see what he can do but um, listen the uh, very last thing we've seen Irishmen pop up in Italian rugby over the years James Downey played over there for a while uh, Ian McKinley resurrected his career through the Italian system you've got one there at the moment Kieran Gaffney how's he doing? Kieran's doing fine. Yeah, he's uh, he'll be playing on the weekend now against Scarlet, so everybody can have a look at him. Um, he just joined us. Uh, he's only here in three weeks. Um, I, I know Kieran from uh, underage in um, in Connacht, uh, so uh, it's a good opportunity for him. Uh, you know, he's a good athlete. He's strong, young. Uh, so we, we'll see how he goes. It's it's a big day for him now on Saturday, and um, we obviously wish him well. Listen, thanks a million, Michael, for taking the time. Best of luck, and we'll talk okay. to you later in the season. Cheers. Bye. Great stuff there from Michael Bradley. OK, fan questions and tips for the weekend's rugby on the way. The message to the players before we left the UK and Ireland was that to come out to New Zealand to play the, the All Blacks, you have to take risks. I was surprised a little bit at Steve Henson in terms of, um, you know, normally he's pretty calm. You know, it's unlike Steve, maybe he's a little bit a little bit worried about um, potentially how good this team could be. To play the All Blacks and beat the All Blacks has got to be another step up. We know we've got to be courageous coming here, we know we've got to be bold and we've got to go and play some positive rugby. We're here to win a Test Series. You're listening to the Hard Yards Rugby Podcast on Sports, Joe. Thanks for listening today. We have Hayley O'Connor from Ladbrokes and our producer, Joe Harrington, at the table now. Hi. Hello. How are you? No hangover this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> we'll ask you every week if you don't <laughs> uh, Okay. Yeah, so speaking of last week. No, let's just skip on. We? Oh, we're just <laughs> going to this week's games. Oh, yeah, right. it's bad week. Bad weekend, Pat. Very bad weekend. Munster let me down on the Friday night. They um, they beat Treviso by thirty one points, and I said they wouldn't beat them by thirty. So that was that was the beginning of the end for me. And yeah. I just stopped, stopped paying attention by the, by the end of <laughs> Saturday Saturday afternoon. I was in big trouble. I stayed off Twitter just in case Andy was gloating too much. Yeah, Andy got seven out of seven last weekend. Pat three out of seven. So as it stands at the moment, Andy's on ten correct choices. Pat's on five. So, so all I have to do is to copy your bets for the entire season, and I win. Yeah, yes. don't do that. That's a dick move. Uh, so for uh, for this weekend, um, Haley, let's start with Leinster and Cardiff. 
Yeah, Leinster like one of the shortest priced uh, teams this weekend at 16 to 1 on um, you know they sent out their children last week and they were still <laughs> brilliant um, the Cardiff Blues are 8 to 1 um, and the only thing you could be mindful of is um, these two teams had a brilliant match at the RDS last year where there was only one point dividing them at the at the mm. end um, but the Cardiff Blues haven't had an ideal um introduction into the competition so um, I think the handicap is going to be about minus 18 for Leinster and actually once the team news comes through it'll probably be even higher. Okay Um, guys Leinster minus 18 That's Yeah because it's probably go for a win. I remember McLaughlin peed them off last year by and they were, they were quoting the podcast because they were so angry Cardiff because he said Leinster used to beat them at the gate or something like that yeah Cardiff did did a job yeah um, I'm I'm going to go on the Cardiff side of that one okay. not to win but just to get under that spread um, yes this is your chance Pat so go let's go Leinster big yeah alright I'll go Leinster big okay uh, next game Monster Cheetahs down in Thomond uh, yeah, so um, Munster versus Cheetahs. Um, a big handicap. I think the handicap here is going to be minus uh, 23 to Munster. Cheetahs, no impression at all um, last week. And plus the fact that there's uh, going to be rain expected on Friday and Saturday. So it could have been uh, a harsh lesson for uh, the Cheetahs in for, for wet rugby, basically. Yeah, it was, it was funny. We were actually looking at the forecast for Galway in the west of Ireland for the next two weeks. And sorry to report, it's going to be lashing rain for. <laughs> Uh, the next 14 days <laughs> but w- w- will that make a difference though like guys I mean in, in your choice here I mean uh, Monster minus 23 wet night in Thomond could be a bit messy yeah like I I, I thought Cheetahs were really good there last week um, and it was just a quick pace of that game but um, even James, James Downey he was kind of saying he thinks it's going to be ball up the jumper kind of a game but um, I, I, yeah definitely definitely Munster to win it um, but yeah I, I kind of don't think they'll be beating them by over 20 points or anything like that so yeah I kind of feel similarly even though the um, the Cheetahs missed 32 tackles last week like, I mean there was they had to make they were, they were asked to make a lot but missing 32 is mm. just is ridiculous um, I, I think Munster are going to be in control of this game from start to finish but I think the wet weather could actually make it um, I, I think they could win by sort of 10-15 as mm. opposed to 23 I mean mm. what happens if, <laughs> if, bo- if both the new teams like fall flat on their face for, for the whole competition it'll be embarrassing for the competition <laughs> yeah um, but I, I have a feeling that's not going to happen I think we're going to see the Cheetahs are running a split squad for a while the, the Kings are having trouble you know merging mm. the new players in lone players in um, but yeah, I, I would love to see one of them get into a playoff spot, and then we have a different row at the end of the year, which is why aren't they qualifying for the Champions Cup? But look, we'll okay. see. We'll see how we go. Um, next game is Treviso v Ulster. Yeah, so on paper last week, Treviso um, looked good, but they weren't. So uh, Treviso nine to two, and Ulster, who who were. Um, very convincing winners last week are one to nine, and uh, you can back them minus fifteen at uh, ten to eleven. Okay, guys, um, what do you think? Ulster minus fifteen going to Italy play Treviso. 
I think there's a, yeah, there's a, like Ulster again. Just re- really impressed me there last week, and uh, it was good to see Cooney taking the, the the kicks as well. And he had a, a nice little partnership already. With your pronunciation is better, Lilifano. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely they're going to win it. But yeah, looking at that, um, if minus fifteen, yeah, I, I think again it's going to be a little bit tighter than that. So I'll, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think they might win that by ten, twelve, something like that. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with Treviso on that one then. Okay. Andy? I'm taking the Ulster side of that. Okay. Uh, next game is Connacht v Kings. Yeah, so um, I think to the Kings, they conceded eight tries to the Scarlets last week. Um, so Connacht are 1 to, uh, one to 16. Um, you can back them in the handicap minus 17. And if you fancy the Kings to do a massive turnaround, uh, they're 7 to seven to 1. I think I think Connacht are actually going to go off shorter here, depending on the weather, which you say is going to be okay. horrific. Horrific, yeah. Um, would, like, would you take the handicap here minus seventeen for Connacht? I think it's a really hard one to forecast because the weather mm. was so bad last week. Yeah. Like there was, I think, thirty-eight turnovers conceded between Connacht and Glasgow right. in those conditions. So I'm just not sure how much we can we can feed that into this week's game. I know the Kings were awful, mm. but uh, I don't know. You go first on this path. <laughs> um, no, not, I don't think Connacht are going to beat any team by that much. Um, okay. So I'm going to go with Kings again there. Um, I, I actually, well, like this, the odds are crazy, aren't they, on the South African side? So already this season, like uh, I think Cheetahs are twelve to one to beat Munster, and Kings are seven to one. If it's it true, you'd wonder where they keep stretching, and when something clicks or when they get teams down in South Africa, will someone make a packet? Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm taking the king side of that one as well. Okay, cool. Um, quickly through the last three games, uh, Zebra and Scarlets. Uh, Zebra are seven to one. Scarlets are uh, one to fourteen, and you can back them minus seventeen uh, in the handicap. But the Zebra did put up a bit of a contest last yeah. time. Yeah, they surprised me, but um, doing so well there last week against Ospreys. But uh, yeah, I'll go with Scarlets on that one, plus seventeen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so after speaking to Michael Bradley, he's trying to get a big, proud home record going in Zebra. I will look for him to do something interesting. Zebra okay. to come inside that. Glasgow Ospreys? Glasgow Ospreys. Uh, yes, yeah, so a good win for Glasgow um, last week. Uh, they're 1 to 3, and Ospreys are 9 to 4. Gents, go to Andy first there. First thing that comes to mind is the Dan Baker news this week. Yeah, yeah, they seem to be a club in trouble, don't they? Like, um, only like I, I was even reading a Wales Online piece recently where they're just talking about they're relying on Alan Jones to be the leader, and no other leaders have stepped up. And and then the, the news that bigger's out the door as well as um, yeah, they don't see they seem there always seems to be at least one region over there that's unsettled. So maybe it's Osprey's turn this season. Hmm. So, so spread, like, both with Glasgow there, right? I think for the win. I'm not sure. Well, then they can back the minus seven points in the handicap. Sorry, I should have said that. Yeah, yeah, I'm going Glasgow. Glasgow, okay. Um, and the final game of the weekend, Edinburgh v Dragons. Uh, the Dragons can be backed at four to one. Edinburgh are the favourites at one to six, and the handicap um, is minus eleven. Edinburgh minus eleven points. Mm. What do you think about Edinburgh for me? Minus eleven. Yeah. Okay. Not giving anything away, to Andy. Now, no, sorry. Yeah, you're playing I, a very safe game. <laughs> yeah, and I'm taking the same side of that one. Sorry, Pat. What did you What did you go for Glasgow there and Ospreys as well? I don't think. 
Uh, I was on the Glasgow side of the Ospreys one, yeah. Right, so I won't be making this. Uh, I could fall further behind, but I won't be making the five points back. It's a marathon, not a sprint, anyway. So yeah, exactly. it's a long season. Uh, okay, so to see how it all pans out, and you've got five to make up. So like, let, let, let's let's hope for Pat's sake that he makes up some ground <laughs> this week. Pretty um, interesting. Yeah, Haley, thank you so much. Um, and up next, we will have listener questions for Raj and James. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Ladbrook, passionate about sport. Roger and James are back to answer your fan questions. We put a call out yesterday and these are the best ones we got in. Use the hashtag AskTHY on Twitter if you want to ask a question next week. Question one is from David Noble. If you could move one player from each province to another, who would it be, where would you put them and why? I like this question. I like this question. You've had a day to think about it. Leinster have a buttload of back rows, don't they? Just but shifts a few of them around the country. It's something we haven't seen enough of. Yeah, yeah. you know, like it, it's something. Remember that you going back maybe sort of eight to ten years, there was a assembly line of backs, back talent in Leinster. There was a load of forwards in Munster, and you know, you'd sort of go, "Lads, can we swap a couple of those around?" But I don't know. That's it's always a, been the it thing. Doesn't, that, it doesn't work like that. Though. I'm actually delighted we don't see more of it. Yeah, yeah, because it. Impacts so much more on a rugby player. It's everything about you as a character, as a person. Um, I can understand the absolute cases of desperation about a guy, but I think, um, you know what I mean? It's like for me going joining Leinster when I was playing. It's, it's just cannot be done for everything you stand for in life. I just don't think it's. I don't think. I think there's far much more to it than a, than a, just a rugby transfer. So James Downey, no, who I played don't. for three Irish provinces, how do you feel about this? <laughs> ah, Rog. <laughs> no, but I think. Nah, nah. Sorry, in your case, it's, it's different yeah. because you're looking for an opportunity. Yeah, I'm yeah. saying about like the guys like Jack Cohn and Dan Levy, for example. Um, I think they're true Leinster players. I think for the sake of them getting an opportunity for them they're stubborn they're determined they want it so much that they want to perform for, for for Leinster and then they feel that they're good enough to take over and play for Ireland and, and that's what I admire about them Rog what, what I suppose if you look at the other three provinces then just wish lists of like what player would you like to take into that Munster team or something like that from those other three provinces well, let's see, they tried to sign Bundy, didn't work out. Mm-hmm. The Alton Delan talk as well. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Alton Delan is from Tralee, so I oh, suppose. So there's no harm there, is there? He's, he's your fifth. There you go. We have a winner. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, next question from Gavin Costello. Who should be in the centre for Ireland for the Autumn Internationals? For Ireland. So, who, so Pat, who's, in, who's definitely not available? Who's definitely not available? Oh, uh, Ringrose is definitely out, and then Henshaw will be a real push. Like he'll have to get back at least a week before the series, so he's yeah. he's he's doubtful. So those two boys are out, uh, and then Olding still, you know, up in the air. So those three lads are out. Yeah. Okay, so then you've got a selection of Aki's going to be eligible. He's available, yeah. Jared yeah. Payne is going to McCluskey. That's a good option. Uh, Luke Marshall. Um, Scannell, Scannell yeah. yeah. If you want to play twelve, Farrell, Chris Farrell as well. Chris Farrell is a really interesting one at the moment. Mm. You know, and in fact, we'll, we'll we'll blend this into the third question. The third question was from Thomas Moroni, and he did direct it at James and said, "With all the centre options Munster now have, though Arnold and Goggin are injured, how do they make a balanced combo?" And I think how we see Chris Farrell fit in at Munster 
is going to be interesting because he's still quite young. Yeah, I personally I think he's very good. Um, I like him a lot in there. I think if you're going to play with Scannell at 12 and Farrell at 13, I think it's more along the Australian way of doing it with a Gitto and, and Kurandrani. How do you well, mean? Placing the bigger guy outside and yeah, the distributor yeah, inside. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd prefer like again, it's completely opposite to the way like I was playing, like but I prefer uh, a distributing twelve. Um, did you ever get a run at thirteen, did you? Um not really, no. I didn't have the wheels at all, so there was <laughs> there was no fear of that. But no, I look you can move move positions around obviously if you wanted to push it wider, some lads would yeah. go in there and we'd swap around for that, but nothing nothing to that extent but no I, I think Chris Farrell I think the couple of years in France has been great for him he's come back and he's he's keen and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes and he's certainly got a great chance now especially with some boys out Raj when you were playing what kind of centre did you enjoy playing with in terms of that, that style the combination Jeez, I played with some incredible centres um, right. for all my career with Darcy <laughs> Um in Munster I think uh, I just got a whole new appreciation for, for back play with Tapoki and Massey I think it opened my eyes completely to um, how enjoyable rugby was playing with the two of them uh, go into that what, what, going training. what did, what did Tapoki and Massey bring that you wouldn't have seen before uh, overs and unders so for people that wouldn't be familiar with rugby, kind of just changing the angle at the last minute. So, um, you know, Rua was easily one of the best players I ever played with. Um, all he used to ever say to me is, you take that guy. And then oh, at last minute, he'd just go plus or minus. So if it was a minus, he'd change his angle to an inside shoulder. If it was a, a plus, he'd change his angle to an outside shoulder and beat your man because he had wicked feet. So every single time um, in phase place even we could do it our first phase um, he could make me look uh, exceptional because of the call he'd make on, on the run you know I think um, sometimes it can be a simple game and that's what I understood took took most from him was his um, his encouragement on the run his coaching on the run his communication on the run it was um it was just like so you if you think on the right wing I had Dougie who was uh, an exceptional communicator uh, then you had Lafimi and then you had Arua uh, and they used to switch it up every time I don't think either of them knew who was playing 12 or 13 because it didn't matter uh, but it was just um, it was just a, a kind of period in my rugby life where I thought this is this is special and when you look back it was special Right, that's the Twitter questions for this week. Thanks to everyone who sent them in. Use the hashtag AskTHY on Twitter if you want to ask a question for next week. Also, we had a competition on Twitter this week for two tickets to Munster's Guinness Pro 14 game with Cheetahs this weekend. The winner is Kieran Guilfoyle. The Guinness Pro 14 final takes place in Aviva Stadium on May 26th. Tickets are available on Ticketmaster. So, thanks to Raj, James, Andrew, Michael Bradley, Pat and Haley O'Connor. Joe Harrington for producing and Shane Dempsey was on sound. We'll be back next Thursday with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and every good podcast app to get us straight to your phone. This has been The Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Ladbrokes. Passionate about sport. Sport.